Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for This is also a way to show Baal-worshipping Jehoram who the Lord God is and what he's capable of doing. So the Moabites in the area, they had never seen anything like this happen before, and they were totally dumbfounded at what they saw. They'd never seen water at the base of a valley in their own territory like this before, and so they thought the water was blood. Now, it says they got up early in the morning. When the sun comes up early in the morning, it's red. Same thing as like a sunset when the sky turns red, and that reflection obviously hit off the water, and they saw what they thought was blood at the bottom of that valley. The Lord had timed the Moabites' discovery of this water to coincide with the red color of that sunrise to make them think it was blood. I mean, the timing is just crazy. You see how ingenious this is. I mean, this is the Lord God. This is not hard for him. The Moabites coming out to see this, that aligned up with the news that they had heard about these kings that were coming to fight them. So the Lord drew them out by this news right on time to see the sun rise, bounce off that water that they had never seen down there before. And they thought, well, this has got to be blood. They're coming to fight us. We got some spoil to go get now. Now we're going to go get rich off all these dead bodies out there. Now, I'm sure that the Moabites knew that Jehoshaphat worshipped the Lord, and they knew that Jehoram worshipped Baal. So it made sense to the Moabites that these kings probably got in some kind of a religious argument that turned into a fight, and they went to war with each other before they even made it to Moab. And so the Moabites, they they just figured, hey, they killed themselves, (laughs) so let's go plunder them. And I'm sure the Moabites took this as a blessing that they thought they had been protected from an attack by their false god, that their false god came in and saved them. And so they thought, hey, our false god fought for us. They killed themselves. Let's go down to the field. It's wide open, and let's plunder the dead and take what they have. So look at this. The Moabites are going to run straight down into the valley with no weapons. I mean, when you're expecting to carry other guys' swords and gold and whatever they've got, you're not going to carry weapons. You're going to leave all that behind so you can carry more stuff, right? Whoever carries more, they're richer, they're better off. So they ran right straight down, right unprepared for that trap that the Lord God had set for them, just as Elisha foretold when he told the kings, he will also deliver the Moabites into your hand. Second Kings 3.24 So when they came to the camp of Israel, Israel rose up and attacked the Moabites so that they fled before them, and they entered their land, killing the Moabites. Then they destroyed the cities, and each man threw a stone on every good piece of land and filled it. 
and they stopped up all the springs of water and cut down all the good trees. But they left the stones of Kirharaseth intact. However, the slingers surrounded and attacked it. So the Moabites, they just ran straight into this trap, blind as bats. They have no idea what's waiting for them. They went right into the trap. And this was an easy win for these three kings, and all because the Lord set it all up for them. Friends, if you want victory in the Lord God, you need to ask him what to do first. You need to consult with him. You need to believe in him. Don't blame every bad thing on him. You need to follow him. You need to make him your God, and he will set everything up for you. That's the way it works. I mean, here's a perfect example right here. And we know that the Moabites were defenseless. They fled from before the Israelites. They had nothing to fight with. So Israel did a full-on invasion. They destroyed their town, stopped up their wells, and it said they threw rocks in their fields because that made it a lot harder for Moabites to grow crops. When you got a bunch of big rocks in it, you can't you can't run the hole through it and plow it up and all that stuff. Just doing all the damage they possibly could to the Moabite land. But the city of Kirharaseth, it says, that was King Misha's refuge. It was so well defended that the three kings in the military, they couldn't take it down. Even with the slingers trying to sling at it, they couldn't take it down. Second Kings 3.26 And when the king of Moab saw that the battle was too fierce for him, he took with him 700 men who drew swords to break through to the king of Edom, but they could not. Then he took his eldest son, who would have reigned in his place, and offered him as a burnt offering upon the wall. And there was great indignation against Israel. So they departed from him and returned to their own land. So what an act of desperation to sacrifice this guy's own son just because he couldn't escape. I mean, what is that all about? He, he literally took his son and sacrificed him on the wall. What King Misha did is he called upon his false god, Shemosh, or Chemosh, whatever his name is. He called upon his false god to get him out of this. Now, in 1868, there was an incredible archaeological discovery of what's called the Moabite Stone. So it has a biased claim in the text on that stone that the god Shemosh answered King Misha's sacrifice prayer to remove Israel's tax burden off of them to, so that they could win and beat the Israelites, okay? So the stone's writing, it makes the Moabites look like they're the winners here, but in fact, it was the Israelites who were the real victors. Now, even though they did not capture King Misha, or take down his refuge city, the Lord had lured the Moabites right into this valley trap, just like Elisha predicted that would happen. Now, one good thing about this stone is that it does validate the Bible's historical claim that this battle did actually happen. So when King Misha tried to call upon his false god to get some help by sacrificing his own son on the wall, where all the Israelites could see it. You do it up on top of a wall, they can all watch, okay? He did it up there so that the Israelites could see him do it. This was so shocking to the Israelites. It was so offensive to the Israelites to see such an act take place that they left and went back home. They realized they couldn't take down Kirharaseth anyway. They couldn't bring that city down. And so seeing this son get sacrificed was enough for them to call it a day and leave. So they took off and left. You know, they were not there to completely annihilate the Moabites, but they were there to 
attack them to keep them from rebelling against Israel, to keep them under control, which they certainly did that. So in the next several chapters, we're going to be seeing Elisha at work to continue ridding the land of Baal worship. And it's some very exciting chapters ahead. I can't wait to get there with you on this. I hope you stay with me. There's some really, really neat stories coming up. But right here for chapter three, we had a bunch of near dead men, thirsty, dehydrated. They were tired. They were scared of dying. And after hearing Elisha's command to dig a bunch of ditches, doing all that hard work, you're about to die. You don't feel good. You're, 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 you're worn out. You're tired. The last thing you want to hear is that you got to go dig a bunch of ditches. I don't even like digging ditches when I feel good. Okay. That's hard work. But, Having them do this work was a very important lesson for them to learn. This work would have them recognize that the Lord God wants us to prepare for the blessings that he wants to give us. Big major point. The Lord wants us to prepare for the blessings that he wants to give us. We're supposed to anticipate the Lord's blessing, but we are supposed to work in preparation to receive it. Now, you know, there's a wonderful scene in that movie, Facing the Giants. It was this coach of a football team. He was struggling. He was scared he was going to lose his job because they kept losing games, and some people were trying to get him thrown out of uh, to, so they could get a better coach that would start winning. Well, a local pastor came by to talk to this coach, and he told the pastor that he had been struggling. He says, I'm struggling, but I just don't see God at work right now. I just can't see him. So the pastor told him a story about two farmers that desperately needed rain for their crops. Both of them prayed, but only one of them went out and prepared his fields to receive the rain. And so he asked him, which farmer do you think truly trusted in the Lord God to send the rain? So the coach said, well, the the one that went and prepared his field. So the pastor said, you know, God's going to send the rain when he's ready. It's up to you to get out there and prepare to receive it. So here in chapter 3, digging these ditches was something that the Israelites could do, and so they got it done. I want you to notice that the Lord God did not command them to do more than what they were capable of doing. Whenever God wants us to receive a blessing, He expects us to faithfully prepare for it, and He's not going to tell you to do more than what you're capable of doing. I read that Charles Spurgeon, he taught on 2 Kings 3 one time, and he said this, and I quote, If we expect to obtain the Holy Spirit's blessing, we must prepare for his reception. Make this valley full of trenches is an order which is given me this morning for the members of this church. Make ready for the Holy Ghost's power. Be prepared to receive that which he is about to give. Each man in his place and each woman in her sphere make the whole of this church full of trenches for the reception of the divine water floods. Friends, I hope that you can receive the blessing of the Lord from 2 Kings 3 today because it's his word. The thing is, are you preparing your heart? Are you working to receive that? Or are you just saying, oh, thanks, you know, now where's the water? You know, God, I need this. Lord, I've got trouble. I've got problems. Where's my answer? Are you preparing to receive it? Are you doing work or are you obeying what the Lord God tells you to do? Psalm 50 verse 15, 
Call upon me in the day of trouble, I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. Me, it says. Friends, we like to glorify ourselves. The Lord God says, no, you're going to glorify him in this situation. Now, what we read today is that God did not only give them provision for the thirst that these three kings in their military had. He didn't just provide, but because they also worked with faithful expectation, he also gave them total victory over their enemies. Now, most people, they only call on God when they find themselves in big trouble. They're not worshiping God. They're worshiping money or whatever else it is, and they don't call upon the Lord. It's kind of like Jehoram. Jehoram followed Baal. He didn't follow God, but bam, now he's in trouble. All of a sudden, oh, the Lord God did this to me. Where's the Lord God in all this? (laughs) People do that today. You know, I remember doing a questionnaire that, asked what my religion, what was my belief system. And one of the actual answers literally said, quote, I'm only religious in airplanes and earthquakes. You know, that's an answer for somebody like Jehoram, somebody that only calls on God when they want something, only calls on God when they're in trouble, only calls on God when they need something. And oh, God, where are you at? (laughs) But God gave Jehoram a brand new view, didn't he? That he's not just a God of convenience when you're in trouble, but he is a God of power and a God of victory who should be called upon daily, whether you're in big trouble or not. Psalm 91, 15, he shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him with long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. See, the Lord God wanted to show Jehoram what salvation looks like. Didn't I tell you? Elisha's work, all the miracles that he was going to do, was going to be to show unbelievers who the God of Israel is and how he wants to save his people. And look what he showed Jehoram in chapter 3. Friends, when God wants to prepare you for a blessing, you should not confuse the preparation of the blessing with the blessing itself. Because if God says, hey, dig a ditch, Well, how's that a blessing? I don't want to do that. I'm tired. Don't confuse it with the blessing itself. You know, sometimes we do a lot of kingdom work. For you believers out there, I know you're, you're striving, you're doing your best, and sometimes it's very hard. And sometimes you start to think, is this it? Is this all that it's going to be? I mean, you're at your job or your workplace or whatever situation you're in or whatever's going on, and you're just thinking, where's the big victory? I mean, I'm trying to do what God wants me to do. Is this it? Isn't there more to this than what I'm continually doing all the time? You know, just like digging ditches, living a life of service to God in this world, it is very hard work, I know. You will often be criticized. You're going to be insulted. You'll even be threatened at times for living a godly lifestyle. And it often feels like it just goes on and on and on without any reward. Is this it? Where where does this all end up? Where does this go? And there's times, even when my own work as a pastor, sometimes it just drains the life out of me. And I'm tired, and I'm worn out, and I'm like a, like a thirsty guy in the desert. I'm just, I'm just beat. I'm at my end. And as a person driven by the Lord to continue onward, though, I just cannot accept how spiritually dry this world is today in its present state. I need to go look for water. I need to do whatever the Lord tells me to do. If it's dig a well, I'll dig a well. If it's dig a ditch, it's dig a ditch. If it sits still and do nothing, then I'll do what the Lord tells me to do. 
but I cannot settle for how devoid of the Holy Spirit my culture is. I want more Holy Spirit water, not just for me, but for everyone. So I don't make it about, is this it for me? Is this it for me? Well, Lord God, what do I get? Well, friends, what about, what does the Lord get? What is this for him instead of just measuring it upon you all the time? Let's do our best to work, work, serve. Well, I don't feel like working. Well, that's what the Lord God expects you to do. If you want blessing, you need to prepare to receive it. We need to do work to preach God's word, doing what God has made us capable of doing. Yours is a little bit of a different capacity than mine. I know it. You're not on the radio like I am. You're not a pastor like I am, but that's okay. The Lord God is going to have you do what you are capable of doing. And so when I see a story like 2 Kings chapter 3, and I realize that without God bringing a miraculous blessing, then those ditches that they dug meant absolutely nothing. If God had not brought the miracle, if God had not sent the blessing of the waters, the ditches mean nothing. So friends, I can work myself to death, but if I do it without expectation, without faithful expectation from the Lord God, then all the work is nothing. So friend, what I'm trying to say is don't get so caught up in the work, work, work. That, oh, what is, is this it? What, you know, where's the big grand reward? Well, you need to have faithful expectation. Be faithful. Faith comes by hearing the word. There's a lot of people out there. You're working, 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 but you're not hearing the word of God. You need to hear the word of God so that faith comes with it. Then you can have, have that faithful expectation that the blessing will come. Otherwise, you're just digging ditches for nothing. Psalm 127.1, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Friends, it's easy for a pastor to think that he's the one building the church. Well, we got to come up with a new program to get people to come in. we got to have a little this and a little that and do all these special things or else people ain't going to come. Oh, what are we going to do? <laughs> Friends, the pastor doesn't build it. The Lord God builds it. He builds the house. Your problems that you have, friend, those of you listening to me, whatever you're going through, you're not going to solve it. You can't get out of it. It's like these three kings. You found yourself in a situation. You're stuck in the sand. You have no answer. You need to call upon the Lord. You should have called on him before you went off and got into this thing that you're in. But now, like Jehoshaphat, you can still call now, and the Lord will still come, and he can bless you out of it, okay? So if you're trying, trying, oh, gosh, I am trying to be godly, and it's just wearing me out, <laughs> just remember. This is a simple thing for the Lord. It's wearing you out, yes, because you're running on your own steam. You forgot to run on the Lord's steam. This is a simple thing for the Lord. And perhaps the reason maybe why you're not making it to the supposed big victory that you feel has to be out there is maybe because you are working yourself to death without faith. Because without faith, your work is pointless. It's all in vain. So why do people expect victory from themselves and not in the Lord? See, you're not going to get victory from you. Well, I, I've been doing this a long time. I'm experienced. I'm the man. I have title and position. No, it's, it's ultimately going to fall. Because remember, these three guys in their militaries, they were kings. 
Okay. They had really much more incredible careers than you do. I guarantee you. (laughs) You're not a king, are you? So anyway, why did people look for victory in themselves? It's not there. Look for it in the Lord God. Psalm 62, verse 5. My soul, wait silently for God alone, for my expectation is from him. Friends, look at that. Your expectation should never be in yourself or your job or your boss or the career or whatever you're trying to do for yourself, your little empire. Don't look for your expectation there. Here in chapter 3, we have three kings. They got in so much trouble, they couldn't find a way out of it, even with all their vast power and all their vast resources. But it was a simple matter in the sight of the Lord. It was easy for him. This is why the Lord is known as the King of Kings, because even three kings couldn't figure out how to get out of it, but the Lord God could. He's the King of Kings, right? Now remember, Elisha's name also means God is Savior, and the miracles that Elisha did, it was to vividly illustrate a big picture about the gospel message of salvation to anyone who saw it or anyone who was in it, okay? You know, friends, just like these three kings, we all got ourselves into a big, big mess that was going to kill us forever. It was a big mess called sin, but this is a simple matter for the Lord God, because he had a plan for our salvation. Now, for those of you hearing me, if you desperately really need your life to be saved by the Lord Jesus Christ, he stands ready to do it. But you need to prepare yourself to receive this blessing. You need to turn away from your old life of sin. You need to walk away from it. And if you're thinking this is too hard for you to do, I can't do it, that you're asking too much, Ray. I'm enjoying my old life. I can't leave it. I want you to remember that God will not command you to do anything that you're not capable of doing. In fact, in repentance, even in repentance, the Lord God can enable you to do that. You can even say, Lord God, I want to repent. I don't know how to repent. How do I get rid of this stuff? He can even show you how to do that much. But just like those tired men, they dug out those ditches in faithful expectation. You can turn from your old life of sin with expectation of salvation. But you have to ask for salvation by faith, or else all you did was say words. All you did was said words in vain, nothing to it. It was totally pointless. Words that mean nothing. So without the miracle of God, the ditches would never be filled. Friends, without faith in the Lord God that he sent Jesus to die in your place, without that faith, all you're going to do is say a prayer is, Lord, save me, and it's nothing going to happen. I want you to have some substance. I want you to really get the water, get the real blessing. So you need to ask by faith, and you can receive the blessing of eternal life, the grace of Jesus Christ. Pray with me. Father, forgive me. I have sinned. I really got myself in a mess. I really got stuck, and I found no way out. There's nothing I could do. So I call upon you, Lord God. Forgive me. I walk away from my old life. I give my life to you. Thank you, Jesus, for dying in my place and taking the death penalty that was due me. You took it upon yourself. I accept. I now belong to you. You are now my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for saving me. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you.
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.